This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to Behind the Micah podcast. Man, I have a special guest with me to, tonight, and I, I just wanted to uh, come live to you tonight and talk to, uh, talk to you a little bit about uh, an interesting topic, definitely a topic that is uh, very um, common in our world today. But before we get into that topic, I want to introduce you to one of my friends, Great guy. Um, his name is Andy Avery. Uh, he lives in Lexington, Tennessee. And Andy, man, it's so good to have you on here. Thanks for jumping in tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, so Andy and I met uh, probably, and I'm just I'm just ballparking this, Andy, but I would say probably 2010-ish, 2011-ish. Uh, we met at Columbus Christian uh is where we met um andy was doing some stuff with ron bridgewater i don't know you were working on lights and i'll every time i saw you there you were doing something different uh playing music i I installed their pa system and their light system and their sanctuary in their gym yeah yeah how how did you meet ron How, how did you come across ron bridgewater um one of the people that led me to christ was doug kruquit who was went to college with ron bridgewater oh nice and god just has a way of bringing all that together so yeah and ron seen ron seen me sing at a high school assembly i think and oh, cool. we just hit me cool well yeah so so i was i was teaching at columbus christian and i remember one time in particular uh i was leading worship playing playing that day uh chapel time and andy says hey man I want to jump in with you and play with you. And it was so cool. I remember because, you know, I'd heard Andy's story and it was just kind of a really cool thing where Andy's like, man, I'm going to sit down and jump in with you and play. And uh, man, he did. He grabbed the, I don't even know if it was like a djembe or if you had the cajon that day or whatever it was, but he just jumped in and, and uh, sang with me and, and played with me, man. And that, that made my, that made my week for sure. So uh, that was something, something like I said, 2010 ish, something like that is when we met. But um, Andy ends up in Lexington, Tennessee. And uh, I want to ask you a little bit about your life. Well, well first kind of tell me what you do right now. Tell me kind of what, what goes on in the day in life of Andy Avery. Well, right now things are getting somewhat back to normal. So I'm back out doing some concerts on the weekend and doing a lot of uh, guest speaking in the pulpit and at churches. Um, but right now, every other week, I've been going to a church in Columbus, Mississippi. Awesome. Uh, and doing worship there. Uh, my good friend Lavelle Smith is there. And we're thinking about starting a pastoral team there. So awesome. Just How cool is that? Yeah. Mississippi. I, I don't I can't say that I've ever been to Mississippi before. <laughs> how, how, far is down, that, how, how far is that from you it's three hours south of me i got you okay yeah you know tennessee is one of those states that takes you seven hours to get across but only 45 minutes to get up yeah and down, yeah so. yeah for sure for sure the opposite of indiana indiana is the other way around yes indeed uh but hey so okay so uh you're going around you're, you're, you're preaching a little bit you're playing music uh it's good that things are starting to kind of open up a little bit more 
uh, and I know that you are making uh, a difference in so many people's lives. Um, and uh, I, I kind of want to reverse and rewind a little bit and go back to what it was like growing up um, as Andy Avery. What, what was it like to grow up? For, like, where did you grow up? Where, where are you originally from? Tell me a little bit about that. I grew up in Southeast Iowa. Uh, I got an older brother, an older sister, and a younger sister. Uh, never knew my dad. Uh, in and out of the home from yeah. my mom. So foster care every now and then. So I basically lived on my own since I was 15. And uh, I, I paid my way through school by sitting at restaurants, playing my guitar and singing. So that's how I got wow. through. Yeah. Uh, Iowa, a little different than, than Tennessee. Oh, it was way different. Yeah. <laughs> Corn country. Yeah. Everybody down here goes, oh, it's snowing. I'm so happy. I said, uh, I want to <laughs> see it again. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, so you, you, you grow up there. Um, you said I, to be a base, I was involved in sports. I wanted to be a baseball player. That was my main goal. Yeah. And so, so how did that, I mean, how did that work out? I mean, you, it did well. I, uh, you know, I, I varsity three years in high school and, uh, but tore up my knee, of course, the classic story. Uh, I did go to college and play some baseball, but ended up joining a heavy metal band dropping out of college. <laughs> Oh, okay. So where did you, where did you go? Where did you play baseball? Where did you go? Well, I went down to Florida straight and tried to walk onto the team, but ended up being the baseball manager, but nice. their community school over in Ponte Vedra. Yeah. Um, I guess you'd call it their version of a B squad. So I ended up being there. I gotcha. Cool. Well, so, uh, so, so you mentioned, uh, you dropped out because you joined a heavy metal band and, um, what, how, how so you, I think, if I remember what you just said a few minutes ago, you said that you had played music a little bit growing up. Um, mm -hmm. how, how soon in life did you um, begin playing music? Oh, very, very early. I was playing at the restaurant when I was 13. Okay. Um, one of the homes I was in, uh, they drank and smoked and did everything, but yeah. there was musicians there every night. Just that was their thing, man. Party and get in a circle and play. Yeah. And I was probably a six or seven year old kid. And everything I could play on the guitar now, I could play the first time I picked it up. Drums, piano, just yeah. took to it. Yeah, just one of those things where you just uh, had the gift, right? I mean, it wasn't like somebody sat and necessarily taught you, just picked it up and played. Nope. Yeah. My you. son and my grandson were, are the same way. Same way? Wow. How yeah. cool is that? My son, lives, my son lives three houses that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so so he's pretty close. That's good. Um, So... Tell, okay, so so uh, you drop out. You you. How did you come across? Did you somebody meet in college, or you just uh, you no. come across these guys you play music with? Or how's that work out? Well, after the games, we'd all go to this nightclub, of course, that had bands. Yeah, and uh, someone threw me on stage. I don't even know how I got up there. That's the thing <laughs> they fired their singer, and I became their singer. <laughs> wow, wow. So, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so you just kind of jumped in and they were like, okay, cool, try out. And, and you, you made the cut. Yep. And then uh, I didn't do that very long. I only did that for about six months. Yeah. And then uh, some friends came down to have their wedding and I rode back to Iowa with them. But a short time after Iowa, I started playing in a band called Ground Zero. I got some notoriety and, uh, you know, bigger clubs, college circuit, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I met a guy named Dennis Deacon, who was most people don't know that name, but musicians all over the world know that name. Yeah. And uh, he was famous and getting his band back together. And 
That's when I joined Smokehouse. I gotcha. And you can you can even listen to Smokehouse on on YouTube, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, this is yeah, that, that was sixty pounds and one knee replacement ago. Man, <laughs> man, this was okay. When was this? Like nineteen eighties? You're talking hair bands. Yeah. Eighty three. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. I gotcha. Monster ballad stage. Yes, indeed. Yes, I got gotcha. you. I got awesome. So the next next thing I know, we are on the opening act tour, opening up for Kiss and Bon Jovi and Joan Jett and Ted Nugent and Holy Cow, White wow. Snake and all that stuff. So. How does this? So how does this go about, man? You just you're just you're going around playing together. Uh, you just kind of playing no, in bars and stuff like that. Then Dennis had an agent. His name was Bob Rue from Telstar International. Yeah. He's now one of the biggest agents in the country, and so. He just wanted Dennis to put a band together, and I filled the need of lead singer. Uh, yeah. Me and the guitar player also wrote three albums worth of material that we're getting ready to record, but uh, the tragedy comes up pretty soon yeah. when our drugs and alcohol took over. So, yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So you're playing around. You're opening for some pretty big names. Uh, you're yep. tour, touring all over the country, I, I assume uh yes. doing doing this and and was it kind of a what was it like opening i mean did, did you i mean was it kind of starstruck a little bit or was it just kind of like yeah whatever you know i'm playing for these guys what, no, what was it like I, I i was starstruck everything everybody ever dreamed of meeting all of a sudden i'm meeting them you know yeah. um I, I need to interject something here sure um I, I met my wife and we had a baby yeah uh, i had enough, i had enough money to buy a house um but that's about the first five, six years of my son's life and my marriage, I can tell you about. I was not a good husband. I was yeah. not a good father. So, well, I'm not, I'm not even sure if that's the right term. I, I wasn't a father and I wasn't a husband. So you, you think that was probably because you were just caught up in everything else? Um, just caught being up famous, in... was the, being famous was the drug to me. It was more important than anything. Yeah. I hear you. Do you think people still struggle with that today? Oh, I guarantee they do. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the question that we ask and the question that I ask in the addiction world is how much is enough? Because even the people that make it as far as the big, yeah. they're still not happy. Yeah. I mean, look at all the suicides and the drug overdoses. So um, I, I, I hope I can quote scripture on here, but yeah, absolutely. You know, the, apostle, the apostle Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Yeah. And I never knew what that meant until, until then. So I gotcha. I gotcha. That's so. All right. So, so let, let me, let me go back before we, we start going a little bit further down, but so, so here okay. you are, you're, 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 you're opening for these guys, you're, you're um, touring the country, that kind of stuff. And then uh, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're, you're married, you have a, you have a baby, but you're pretty much absent because you know, you're chasing this dream um, mm -hmm. um, all the while, while, you know, fam families at home, I don't, they probably weren't, were they on tour with you or did they go with no. you? stay home and no my 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 wife did a great job of taking care of things well how, how, the house. how much were you gone i mean were you gone all year long was it like six months of the year or how, how did that work no we would we would be gone for yeah like like a couple of months and then i'd be home for a little bit a couple of months and i'd be home for a little bit so gotcha okay so but then go ahead. Go ahead. yeah go ahead but then after that peak starts and then you start heading back down the hill. You're back into college clubs and yeah, things like that. So roller coaster ride. 
the times on the times in the highs are incredible right but but when you're in the lows it's like man you're just doing what you can to find to find shows and they yeah. are well we, we we found shows the same agent was booking us all over the world we were, we were featuring in clubs uh, and we didn't mind because there was just as many drugs in the clubs as there were on the big tour so yeah how, let me ask you this um how what was the what was the craziest place you've ever played in? Can you, can you tell me that? Like in the world, you, you said you went over the world. What, what was like one of the craziest places you ever played in? The first biggest tour we played, of course, we, we opened up for Bon Jovi, which was pretty cool. Yeah. But then we was in the Brown County arena opening up for White Snake, And I couldn't see the end of the auditorium from the stage. Wow. And that was pretty auspicious, you know, just, just yeah. huge. And, uh, you know, I'm also the guy before that where I'm the guy that working out and lifting all of our speakers and carrying it in. I yeah. wasn't used to just walking in and walking on stage and letting her go. Yeah, <laughs> and just, just jumping in because it was already done for you. Yep. Big, yeah. big, big systems like that. That that was pretty cool. Sport got spoiled a little bit. Yeah. When I met the girl, Tony Katane, that spun her hair around on the Cadillac. You know, that was David yeah. Coverdale's wife. So. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, cool. And so, they, they were very, they were very nice. They, they were very nice to us. Um, I don't know that if if you're able to say this or not, but uh-huh. um, who uh, are 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 you ever in connection still with with anybody that uh, maybe you met on tour or you know? I mean, um, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I am blessed that sometimes they call me with their. Their children might have an addiction problem or wow. family member. And that's mainly the reasons they call, okay. which is a blessing to me. So, so, okay. So, so let's get into that for just a minute. Okay. So, um, you know, you say that, you know, you're here, you are, you're on tour. Um, you know, you're, you're craving, uh, you know, kind of the big, the big kind of the star status, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're opening for Bon Jovi, hopefully one day becoming Bon Jovi or even more than Bon Jovi. Right. This is with Smokehouse, correct? Correct. And and uh, you're playing on things like VH1, um, stuff like that, or you know, and 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 mm-hmm. man, that's awesome, right? Um, what what led to is that is that when the addiction started? Well, I also need to interact. All these famous people in the record business were following us around and taking live audio and live videos of us. Mm. Um, and so they were shopping us as well, yeah. as well as Gene Simmons from Kiss, who managed wow. pretty much everything in the 80s. Yeah. Um, the addiction started when I am the type of guy now knowing my personality that when the crowd dissipates and like for White Snake instance, they don't rent hotel rooms, they rent floors. Yeah. And so they have security at the elevator. So you got to go to the, get off the elevator, you got to go through security. Well, we had the whole floor was just one big party. Yeah. And uh I was clean and sober, man. And after knowing the biological outcome of my family, I wasn't going to do it. But, you know, everybody was doing it. And I'm the now what guy? What can top yeah. what I just did? Well, here's some cocaine. So, yeah, that's where I fell. So wow. come to that. So, so you that was something you just kind of jumped. That was the that was first stage. huh? You just jumped right in. That was that's kind of a big jump. Yeah. Um, you you said you said uh, your dad wasn't present in your life growing up. Um, Correct. But. But your mama uh, was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
did you have any sort of godly influence in your life uh, growing up or any kind of uh, nothing of Jesus or anything? No, none. Okay. None whatsoever. Okay. So I was really close to my grandma, Boo Boo, and I just iterate my, my mother passed away about six months ago. Oh, man. And I did, and I did the funeral, and, and God put it on my heart that forgive her. And regardless of what kind of mother she was, I wasn't going to be a bad son. Yeah. So I hear you. Well, so, all right. So, so you, you jump in, man. And it wasn't like you, that was what your plan was, but everyone else was kind of doing it. So you just kind of peer pressured in, um, and, yep. uh, you started doing it. And then, you, then how often, how often were you, uh, doing this stuff, man? Was this just something every show was this stuff every, I mean, how, how often were you, you know, getting involved in 24 drugs? hours, 24 hours a day? Yeah. Yeah. Was alcohol an issue too? Well, the reason you drink alcohol is try to level out and come off the cocaine. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Then, of course, we, we found heroin after that. And the balance between cocaine and heroin is another roller coaster ride. So, yeah, it's a mess. So it's pretty messed up. How, how did you and I don't want to get into, you know, family too much. But how, how did mm -hmm. that how was that like? How was the family? Did, did, you, did your wife at the time know, you know, hey, what, what's no. going on? Is there something going on or? She probably suspected, but she didn't know at that time. I got you. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so and then uh, I had, some, I had some famous bands try to pull me out of smokehouse, like George Lynch, you know, we we're on tour with Doc and he comes over and talks to me and I thought we were going to make it. And so I turned him down being the lead singer of Lynch mob. Wow. But I did tell him, I go, well, if you do, you get your band, you ought to call it Lynch mob. And of course he named it Lynch mob. So. Yeah. Yeah. We joke around about that, and I still talk to him. He's very say, nice. Any talk. props for that? No, he just <laughs> me about it. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, so here you are, man. You're kind of at a you're 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 rocking at the time, right? I mean, mm -hmm. even even while you're you know getting hooked on the drugs and um, mm -hmm. your 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 band's still doing really well. You're you're playing all over the place. Was it affecting the way that you were playing music or anything like that? Was it affecting, or was it just kind of not i mean was it not affecting it? good night good nights and bad nights and you know when when you're high you really think you're jamming go yeah. listen back some of the tapes we were not yeah uh, you can imagine what cocaine does to your tempo and to your speed sure and locking up your vocal cords and everything else so yeah it, it was a mess yeah and, and so i actually i actually went to rehab like three or four times while i was in the band so wow was um nobody else in the band went but i <laughs> yeah <laughs> They, they were yeah, they were I'm, struggling just as much as you. Yeah, but I'm the type of guy that every drug addict will look at and go, "Dude, you got a problem." <laughs> yeah, right. Was I was seem it, to be able to go go go? Was it helping the rehab? No, rehab's just a little vacation to get away, so you can build up enough strength to go back after it. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, so so fast forward because I think before before any kind of re recovery happens mm -hmm. you almost you almost hit a hit a rock bottom right um yeah you get I'm, to I'm gonna i'm gonna interject you there yeah go ahead uh, because they call it recovery yeah and you can't recover from bottom because my bible says bottom is an eternal death and hell everything you. else christ is christ is still there waiting for you i like and it and you can still accept him and yeah. so i don't use the word bottom you don't there come you back go. from bottom I call it hurt bad enough to repent. There you go. Um, at what point did you reach that point? Um, 
and, and how long, how long, how, how long were you, how long were you, uh, in this kind of addiction stage before you reached it? And then at what point did, did that happen? Well, the biggest, one of the biggest things, and of course we talked about, I can't mention the exact names, but yeah, I had an audition to be one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. Um, that was successful, but I got paid a bunch of money and I ended up in a hospital in Buena Park, California. Um, and when I woke up three weeks later, then they pulled the tube out and ripped my left vocal cord in half. And so it's all surgical and it's really, I can't even really use it. So that was an auspicious moment. And I need to tell you, man, I, I used to stand in the pulpit and say, um, the devil had me convinced I was a hopeless drug addict and alcoholic. And that's not true. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not true. All I did is use an excuse to go back out and do what I wanted and have people feel sorry for me. Yeah. That's the truth, man. People need to start speaking the truth. Absolutely. I hear you. I, and so I, I went home to be with that wife and son and tried to work jobs and things like that, but it got really, really bad. So I broke into a church that my wife was going to and I stole missions money out of the safe. Um, I did a couple other things and got caught, but while I was locked up, I had one person visit me and that was the minister from that church. Yeah. How'd that make sense? He, he said, well, he said something that changed my life. He said, I was prepared. I was going to debate with him. I was going to cry if I had to, but he said, you know, uh, I forgive you. Uh, the church forgives you, but most of all, you need to understand if you'll let him, Christ will forgive you. And he goes, yeah. as a matter of fact, we consider that money you stole as an investment in the future of your ministry. I go, what on earth are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so to be honest with you, something changed in my life. I just read the Bible and I missed my wife and missed my son. And I said, God, if you let me out of here, I'll live for you. It was just that simple. I'd hurt bad enough to want to change. So you, you stayed at, you stayed in, in jail for, mm -hmm. for how, how long, how long were you in jail for? I was going to say about eight months. How was that? Now I, was supposed to, I was supposed to go to prison for seven years. Yeah. Because of drug use? Drug use. Well, because of all the other stuff. Gotcha. Just a bunch of yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm and, sorry. Uh, I forgot about that. That's all right. And I got sent to a program where you're supposed to uh, be in there for two years and take classes. Yeah. Cognitive thinking skills, you know, all those fancy names. Yeah. Well, I, I graduated and took all their tests in 56 days. Nice. So I got out of there. Yeah. And everybody says, oh, you're smart. No, I'm not smart. I was just hungry enough to get out of it. Yeah. What would you say um, if you want something bad enough, you'll do whatever it takes to get it, to make it that's happen? That's exactly right. And so for drugs and alcoholics, I say, you know, if my, if my drug dealer wasn't home, I'd drive around the block 50 or 60 times. Have you read your Bible 50 or 60 times a day? Have you prayed to God 50 or 60 times? Because it takes the same amount of pursuit. Wow. That's incredible. Um. I like that. Um, so, okay. So, so here you are. You, you said that uh, your wife's preacher came and visited you in jail. Mm -hmm. um, His name was Jack Allen. Okay. Is he still living or is he, is he, has he, he passed or? He, I consider him my dad. Okay. And uh, he passed away and I did his funeral. Wow. And then I had to break down for a minute because on the obituary, he had to be listed right along with his biological kids. So, wow. That's pretty huge. That's incredible. Um, those people in your life uh, 
are incredible people that, you know, would willing just to just take time. I, I'm assuming he was just doing some jail ministry and specifically nope. came to visit never you. Been to the, never been to the jail, came specifically visit me. For you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, whatever he said, I, you, you said he talked about, you know, how, how you can have forgiveness uh, uh, through Jesus. And mm-hmm. uh, it caused you and you said your desire to want to be with your wife and your son. Uh, kind of was like, Hey man, I need to make some serious changes in my life. Um, there's there's a Seinfeld, there's a Seinfeld episode where George Costanza decides to do everything opposite. Yeah. (laughs) I know that's funny, but that's what I decided to do. Everything I thought my first thought, I do the opposite. (laughs) Of all the things that I've chosen to do, man, I need to just do whatever I have, whatever I've done, do whatever the opposite is. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, Exactly. And uh, I got to tell you, man, I, I, I purposely did not have a driver's license for a year. I rode an orange 10 speed that was really orange one <laughs> speed because it was stuck in first gear. And I rode that baby to church. I rode it to Bible study. I rode it to work. But That's if awesome. I was going to mess up, I didn't want to make it easy on myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, OK, so so here you are. You're you're you, you meet Jack Allen in, in prison. Jack Howard. Yes. In jail. Mm-hmm. Jack Howard. Sorry. And, uh, and, and, uh, so then you start getting clean, uh, you're getting clean a little bit. You say you only spent eight months in jail. Um, you get out of jail. What happens? I got called back in front of the judge. I thought, Oh boy, I missed a charge. And the judge is challenging me to go to school to learn about rehabilitation. And I said, man, I'm working two jobs, to try to feed my family. I can't. Uh, so governor Vilsack, uh, not only exonerated me from all my charges and wiped my slate clean, he allowed me to take the state board test in Iowa. I scored a 98 on the state board, which wow. licensed me as a CAC level three substance counselor. Cool. So yeah, that that so so here you are, man. You you get that. It's like this almost like this new lease on life, but mm-hmm. where'd you go? I mean, you go back home and just kind of just act yeah. like, hey man, every, nothing nothing really happened, or how, how did that uh, happen? I went back home, but it was, it was intense, close counseling with Jack yeah. and church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, after about five years, I became program director of a Christian rehabilitation center. Wow. So kind of a, kind of a, Hey, I've been there. So let me help you. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, man. I, I think uh, in my personal opinion, man, I, I have been able to relate to people who can say, not um, just tell me all the answers, but also just the people who say me too, right? Uh, yeah, I get right. it. And um, I remember my first youth, one of my first youth ministers uh, told me, uh, he, you know, he had tried every drug, every alcohol uh, in the book. He, he even told mm-hmm. me one time, he said, man, when I was growing up, I thought that hell was a place where we just sat around and played cards and drank Jack Daniels all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Scary. And, uh, you know, but, but he was so effective because mm-hmm. he was able to say, Hey man, I've done it. It ain't worth it. Right. I've done it. I've been there. Yep. Don't go there. Right. So that's kind of what Absolutely. you, that's kind of what, that's kind of where you were, uh, five mm-hmm. years later, right. Five, five years later, here you are. Is there like, what, what did you like have to, you didn't have to graduate anything. It was just kind of like a growing process where somebody just said, Hey man, he seems like he would be a good guy for this. We're going to, we're going to plug him in here. Yeah, I don't know where, to be honest with you, it's such a God thing. I, I wish I could explain to you how it happened, but I can't. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm doing this job, 
And I said, well, where are y'all going to get clients and people from? We had a waiting list eight miles long. Now, being a Christian program, but when you start having success, then the state gets involved. Yeah. And they get involved by sending you clients. Yeah. And uh, next thing I know, I'm overseeing people's probation and parole. I'm going to prisons and speaking. I'm going to get clients. And it just was took off like skyrockets. Did it like take you back in a spot where you just started remembering everything? Like when you were sharing with these people and saying, Hey man, this was, I mean, this was me just, you know, five, yep. 10 years. Here I am. Yep. And, and here I am uh, able to help people just like Jack did with me. That's um, exactly right. That, that was what, I, that was what I had in my head. Jesus came and not only seek and save the lost, but he came to make disciples, man. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't tell us where we're supposed to get our, pool of people from yeah <laughs> you know and i wish our churches i wish our churches would look, let me tell you the process i went through yeah for sure you know, I, I i would sing and and everybody go oh i hope andy gets it he's such a good singer but then when i got ordained and all yeah. that stuff th then it was who's he think he is well <laughs> it doesn't matter who i think i am who god thinks you are and i wish our churches would look at everybody they come in contact with hey maybe that's the next peter ready to make that great confession or yeah. maybe that's the next minister of our church who knows yeah and how far do we want them to go yeah well so, isn't that that that's kind of the story of the bible right i mean you know god yeah. god take taking people who you know who were nobody thought would be you know saul to paul yeah. um yeah. taking you know prostitutes or tax collectors or you know even just common idiots and is is what the bible uses and and turns it into some of the you know greatest disciples to ever walk the planet right and that's what jack was teaching me that, yeah that very thing that you just mentioned you know yeah so so okay so um so here you are you're you're helping in this drug rehab you're helping people um you're getting your life back and yep. and maybe even in even better than than before you were addicted to drugs because Jesus is now involved in your life um right. and um and and you're helping these people so how do you get on this um did you ever was there ever a time like relapse was there ever a time where you felt like man I need to go back or you know it was just just cut cold turkey huh mm -hmm. wow Awesome. And then, you know, I need to iterate that after eight years, I became the associate minister of the very church I stole money from. <laughs> yeah. That's a so crazy that's story. A cool story. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to I want to challenge everybody with this, too. Yeah. And this is for all the people that might be struggling with suicidal thoughts or addiction or out there. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things they say to me or they say to their loved ones when I travel the country do interventions, they look at somebody that they love and go, you just don't understand my response to them is you better hope that they never understand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So my goal, my goal in my life and my ministry and talking to schools and doing all things, I hope people, I hope I block them from ever understanding really what I'm going through. Does um, addiction can be more than just drugs, correct? I mean, it could be anything. Um, yeah, anything. anything. How, how would you describe, how would you describe addiction or define addiction? Well, First of all, I will tell you that I'm of the addictive personality. Yeah. Um, I can't eat one piece of candy. I eat the whole bag. Yeah. I have a big bowl of cereal. Um, if I'm having fun playing baseball or doing something with my grandson, we'll be out there for six hours. You know, yeah. I'm that guy. Now, of course, it's it's getting less the older I get. But yeah. uh, you understand what I'm saying? When I like something, I really like yeah. it. 
And so knowing how to moderate is a huge thing. And, and you know, the scripture that talks about everything's permissible, but not beneficial. Yeah. Boy, I ought to have that tattooed on my forehead. You know? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So as you get older, it seems to be a lot easier. But boy, when I had the energy when I was young, it was go, go, go. Jump out the window and sprout wings on the way down kind of a life, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm of that nature, so to speak. Uh, but I also know in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about, I also understand that that's the thorn of my flesh. That's where my body is weak. That craving for everything, that craving for needing to be with people and being the center of attention, being fun all the time has led me to some pretty dark places. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a good thing, but also could, could be a bad thing. Um, yep. And so would you say that, um, okay, let me ask you this. What, what advice would you say maybe to someone who might listen to this, who maybe is struggling with an addiction or, um, or maybe hasn't even, can't, wouldn't even call it an addiction, but even mm -hmm. though, though it might be, what, what, what advice would you have for someone? Well, my advice, first of all, is, is it causing negativity in your life? Uh, is it causing you to have strange thoughts that you wouldn't think you'd normally have. And, you know, not everybody admits that. Yeah. Um, I tell people it's a good thing. I have a teleprompter on my head that reads what I'm thinking about because yeah. I wouldn't have any friends, you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I get some pretty crazy thoughts in my head. And, and you know, uh, we're living in an era now, uh, Michael, where the devil is just out there. He's not even hiding anymore. He's just out there running amok. Yeah. And sometimes people don't, uh, people don't realize that. And, uh, um, just be careful where you're walking and what you lead to. And and I, I can't talk about girls too much because I just don't counsel girls because I understand. I still ain't, I still ain't got a clue. But for us fellas, a lot of the fellas I meet we're, we're, we're taught to be strong and independent and fix stuff. Well, you you, you can't fix that. No. You just can't. Um, I I was the weakest, so I nicknamed my cocaine addiction Mike Tyson. Yeah, because. I thought I'd go out and fight Mike Tyson and he'd kick my rear end every time. Now yeah. I'm thoroughly convinced that if I get in the ring with Mike Tyson, he's just going to blast my head off with one punch. That'll be the end of it. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing, but it makes sense if you think about it. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so ad admitting, I guess you say would, would be something that you first, you have to figure out what it is, whatever it is. Yes. Uh, addiction. I'm, glad you brought up the, I'm glad you brought up the admit, admitting thing. It's yeah. recognizing and, and telling somebody, and I know those are steps, and I'm not a big step guy. I'll tell you that right now because I don't believe in the powerlessness, and I don't believe in all that because you have the ability to receive Jesus Christ and receive the power of the Holy Spirit and, and through baptism and confession. Yeah. Um, however, we get confused on the power of the Holy Spirit. For instance, I got baptized, messed up, went to jail. But the power of the Holy Spirit was still active in my life because I could have just kept on using and died. But God reached down with his mighty hand and put me out of society and put me in jail. Yeah. Power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't like it. You yeah. might not consider it power, but I sure do. He was yeah. active in my life. Yeah. Still, still working. Still working. Still working. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, would you say probably addiction's a little bit easier today than it was in the 1980s i mean not that it not that it's more or less yeah. but would you say it's easier the, the to the, methan, the methamphetamine and fentanyl thing is a real nightmare real problem. And, and, and i can't be too empathetic on that because I was, I was in a different decade yeah. and so it's hard for me to understand some of those but uh, i i am able to tell you that i'm on the federal 
uh, fentanyl task force. Yeah. Uh, I am on that uh, with a few people that whose names I can't mention, but right. I am on that task force. And so if president Trump would have won, my life was going to change dramatically. There'd been no more music, no more anything. Cause I was going on the actual having an office in Washington. Wow. And being on a big task force, but good thing, bad thing, whatever you see it, that, that didn't happen. So <laughs> were you, here I am. <laughs> was that something you were looking forward to? I was. Yeah. However, they are starting to use me again. And, yeah. uh, I was not too far from you just last week where a four-year-old girl got abducted. I seem to have a, I seem to have a knack for finding missing kids. So I was out in that and had a successful run there and came home. So, Gosh. Well, I think it's awesome. Um, what, what, what you're doing, um, obviously going around the most important thing is, uh, sharing that, uh, as long as you're not dead, man, God's not done and uh, he can use you. And, uh, and, and, and God can take you from where you are to where you need to be. If you'll let it. Amen. Um, Amen. So and for those of us Christians out there, Mike, I need to challenge everybody. Yeah. Because sometimes my friends get embarrassed because I, I talk to people so openly. Yeah. But I truly feel like God presents 20 to 25 opportunities to minister a day. And we just choose not to exercise our ability to minister. So that's my challenge right now. What, um, Really, really quickly, and I know I don't want to take up too much time, but I, I, I just, okay. I, I, I want to ask you, as far as we, we talked about admitting our addictions, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to, when it comes to um, recovering, um, do you ever, mm-hmm. do you ever realize when you get to a point, like, is there a, is there a point where you say, hey, I've made it, or is there, is it, is this, this ongoing, no. like, no. Uh, my 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 goals in heaven as long as i'm alive and able to talk about jesus yeah and uh, so so heaven's the know, finish line that's exactly right yeah. gotcha was there anything else you wanted to add um anything else that i what what is there something that i have missed in, in because i i would love man, I, tell me tell me something that i uh, that i'm missing that you go around and you tell all these people all around the country uh, am I, am I missing something that I, is there something that, uh, you'd like to communicate to my listeners before we, uh, before we get off here today? No, uh, it's just that, uh, in these trying and strange times, hold firm to your faith, uh, regardless of what it costs you. Um, God will reward you in the end. It may not seem like it right now, but he will. And, you know, this country's going through a real, what I consider almost a, a, a spiritual division, yeah. uh, to where, you know, it, some people that even believe in God think, well, he's gracious enough that we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to tell you, well, uh, that almost killed me. Yeah. And so I'm not a big fan of gray area. It's black or white with me. Yeah. And uh, I'm a fun, happy rock and roll guy that most people think, oh, but it's, it's, it's black and white with me. You're either on board with Christ or you're not. And, I like you know, it. Of course, Revelation said, Luke Warm will spit you out of my mouth. So That's right. that scares me. Amen. Yeah. That scares me. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. We, we live in a gray, a gray area, but I, I'll tell you, it's, it's definitely black and white for me as well. I, um, what, where do you, uh, what, what do you, what are you playing? You, you're going around, you're playing, you do just, just worship music, man, or you do a uh, little bit nope, of, I've been doing, I've been doing some concerts. I was on a, a big tour with John Elefante, lead singer of Kansas and John Schlitt from Petra and Head East. And nice, we Petra. went around called the voices of rock <laughs> and, uh, we were supposed to just trade off testimonies, which ended up me giving my testimony every night while those guys sat in the dressing room. So. 
I, I man, Petra, you said Petra, man. That's like a man. I ain't listened to Petra since like the nine early nineties, man. Yeah, uh, it's, been, it's been a long time since I've listened to them. That's a throwback name. We we first actually time I heard, go ahead. Time go I ahead. Heard, when I lift your name on high, was Petra doing the rock version? Yeah. Come to find out, it was written by Gloria Gaither. How weird <laughs> is that? I was like, <laughs> it's funny how that works, huh? You're in Gaither country. Yeah, you're right up in there. I, I know this. Uh, you know, it's 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 crazy because um, you were you were talking earlier. Uh, here's my funny story. We were talking uh, about earlier how White Snake or whoever will, when they went to a hotel, man, they would take the whole floor. And yeah. uh, I was I was speaking at a church um, in Indiana one time, um, and they put me up in a hotel room, and I show up in this hotel, right? Me and my me and my mm-hmm. wife and my kids. And the, the lady at the front desk says, hey, are you here for the show? And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just in here because I got to preach tomorrow morning at this church that's like 15 minutes down the road. And mm-hmm. uh, she's like, oh, and I'm like, well, what show is it? There's this huge tour bus out front, right? And uh, she said, uh, yeah, she's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but she's like, Brett Michaels is staying in this hotel tonight. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what is Brett Michaels doing in like Greensburg, Indiana? Like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling with this one. Um, and, uh, she's like, yeah, he's playing tonight and, uh, he's staying in this hotel room and she's like, you know, I, I won't put you close to him. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, keep him and his band up because of my kids screaming or whatever. She's like, I'm not worried about your kids screaming. She's like, I'm not going to put you by them because they're probably going to be really rowdy. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, uh, that's what that reminded me of when you talked about, yep. White snake. So, but I, that's my claim to fame, man. I always say I stay in the same <laughs> hotel as Brett Michaels. Yeah. I'm going to be not too far from you doing Jack Howard's granddaughter's wedding in Petersburg, Indiana. Pretty soon, so. Yeah. That's uh, that's not far. That's like 40 minutes from me. Cause I'm an Odin. Yeah. Uh, yeah so about 40 minutes South of you. Yeah. So what is that? I'll be doing the wedding at the Christian camp there. I think it's Ileana Christian camp. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah, that isn't far from here, man. That's cool. Do you ever get up this way very much? Yeah, starting to, but you know, with COVID, man, it just changed everything. And I, I don't make this too public, but I had a bout with cancer. And I lost my whole jawbone, and then COVID hit. Um, had another tragedy, and then my mom died. So, dang, um, when it rains, it pours. It yeah, it rains, it pours. So. Man, I was, I was putting, I wasn't even supposed to be working, but I was putting gutters on churches and roofs and yeah, <laughs> doing whatever I could. Doing what you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah man. Do, are you still do, going to like churches and doing, you know, PAs and stuff like that? Yeah. I, that's my main source of income. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. You still talk to Ron? Yeah, still do. Of course, Facebook's a wonderful thing if you yeah. monitor it. That's, well, where, it's funny. that's where him and I communicate. It's funny because like, you know, and I have, it's, it's weird. I haven't been on looked in a while, but I think we have a lot of mutual friends, me and you ministry is yeah, weird like we that, do. man. The connections that you have through ministry. And, uh, you know, yeah. in my last episode, I was talking to a friend and he's like, it's, you know, it's like six steps to Kevin Bacon, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah. uh, yeah, and, and it's funny, uh, and I'll let you get off here. We, we just did a series at our church uh-huh. called, called love ballads and uh, cool. talk about marriage and stuff like that. But each week we would play uh, a monster ballad uh, of some sorts. And I keep telling our worship guy every week, I'm like, Ario Speedwagon's got to happen, man. Uh, yeah. We did, man. Can't fight this feeling. Oh, man. Yeah. Great stuff. 
the uh, all the uh, couples in their forties and fifties, man, they were feeling it. They were like, man, I came to church and, uh, and this is really funny story. We had, we played, uh, we played Bon Jovi one week and we played REO Speedwagon and then we played George Strait. Uh, it just went, it went like, yeah, country. And because we were doing love ballads for everything. And, uh, there was a, there was a person in our church and, um, they, uh, I crossed my heart or so good in love. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, I crossed my heart and it's, it's, what's funny is, is because, uh, (laughs) there was somebody in the church was like, didn't say anything about REO Speedwagon. Didn't say anything about Bon Jovi. We played George Strait and they're like, I can't believe we played George Strait in church. And I'm like, you got past Bon Jovi and REO Speedwagon, but yeah. not George Strait. And George Strait's like the nicest guy in the world. So <laughs> probably goes to church. <laughs> Crazy. But, uh, man, I thought about you during that series. I was like, man, we should have had Andy up here because he would have killed it on that stuff. So we'll do, we'll do something sometime. That'd be yeah, great. Man. Yeah, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for hopping on here. I really appreciate yeah. um, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, have a lot of respect for you, pray for you, uh, and your ministry. You. I know God's going to continue to use you in big ways. And, uh, man, Mississippi, M I crooked letter, crooked letter. I I'll, I'll be there for Easter in Mississippi. Where, where at in Mississippi? In Columbus, Mississippi at the first Columbus. Christian church. I'll be there. I'll be there for Easter. Cool, man. All right, man. We, everybody go check it out. Get on Facebook. I bet they got a Facebook page. You can watch them. They do. And I need to tell you that the minister Lavelle Smith is a, is a mixed martial arts teacher and an ex-world champion. So really? Kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I, I, can't say cool that. I can't say that as a preacher. I don't have that background. But, um, well, I, all I can say is I've been in a few fights. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't talk about the outcomes. Just, just that you've been in. All right, man. Hey, man, thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, I will yeah, let you, you get off here. And uh, God bless, bro. Thanks for having me. This has been a Behind the Micah podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out next week. And remember, we're always striving to love God, love others, and serve both.